The gospel lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 21st chapter, reading verses 33 through 46. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, and he put a fence around it, and he dug a wine press in it, and he built a watchtower. And then he leased it to tenants, and he went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves, and he built, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son. He sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. <laughs> Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him. They threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now, Jesus said, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. And Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces it will crush anyone on whom it falls. And when the chief priest and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that Jesus was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because the crowds regarded him as a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So to set today's scripture lesson in the greater context of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has just recently asked those who are gathered around him, who do people say that I am? He hears the answer that most really regard Jesus as a prophet, like John the Baptist or Elijah. The people just didn't get Jesus nor did they understand God's gracious abundance that was untethered in Christ's presence. Jesus pushes those disciples that are closest to him, and he says, but who do you, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And it's in that confession that Jesus is Lord, that led Jesus to establish the church, 
to build it on a solid rock. And we stand and we sit and we sing and we pray on that rock, the church that Christ established. Peter modeled in that moment of clarity the truth that he knew in Jesus as God's own son, living with them now, but also resurrected, living among us. Jesus is the cornerstone on which we stand. And when we are at our best, we share the fruits that we learn from Christ. We bear witness to God's kingdom. Jesus is that cornerstone on which we stand. And justice flows from that cornerstone. It flows down like waters. And it gives a peace that permeates our hearts. It teaches us how to find peace when we are most afraid. At Idlewild, we say or we state that our mission as the church is to pursue, to personify, and to practice as Presbyterians the good news of reconciliation and salvation in Christ through our worship, through our formation, our outreach, and the ways that we nurture one another. And when we do this, this pursue and personify and practice as Presbyterians, what we're doing together is we are sharing the fruits of God's kingdom and trust in Jesus Christ as our sure foundation. I wonder, are we doing this? Or maybe the question is better asked, how are we sharing the fruits of God's kingdom? Prior to today's parable about the wicked tenants, Jesus has already triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. He's found a city that is in turmoil. And in the temple, what he found was more consumering, more bartering, not sharing, bartering, buying, instead of contemplation on the ways of God. He found distraction from the ways of God, in that selling and buying, not sharing. And what Jesus did in this place is it led Jesus to get angry. He raged. He literally turned those taxpayers' tables upside down. And he judged those who were inside the temple. And then Jesus turns from those moments of anger, and he turns towards healing the people that are gathered. He turns towards the healing work of God. Those who were inside, that held some of Christ's anger, that knew his earthly power in judgment, they become angry with Christ and they become fearful of his power. And so I wonder, who do we say that Jesus is? Who do you know Jesus to be? Today's story focuses on a parabolic teaching about God's kingdom. And this story invites the light of God's truth in Christ to shine and for the Holy Spirit to dismantle our comfort. The teaching is not about the quantum of production, but instead about the intention and the practice of sharing the fruits of God's kingdom. Who do we say that Jesus is? How do our lives, how do our our words and our actions model the sharing of the fruits of God's kingdom?
the design of the vineyard described in today's scripture would make for a cover spread and a feature article in Garden and Gun. You know, the stones have been cleared from the soil and the land is tilled and rich. The fence is built to keep that abundant fruit secure at harvest time and to keep the prolific vine from being trampled. And the watchtower that is built there gives security at the horizon where the sky meets the land. All is secure. The property and its potential has been entrusted to caretakers, to the tenants. And at the harvest, the expectation is for the fruits to be shared and abundance celebrated. The landowner sends his people, even his son, to help to share in the harvest. And instead of rejoicing over that great bounty and sharing joyfully, the vineyard instead becomes a place of violence. The fire of greed consumed the caretaker's hearts. And I wonder for myself where I've missed that beauty where I've missed that sharing of God's good abundance. Sean Dietrich writes a blog called Sean of the South. Maybe some of you have read it, but he sees and describes the abundance he finds in God's kingdom here on earth, but he doesn't use that language. He sees abundance as it unfolds between real people on back roads, and then he describes it. Sometimes it's really funny, and other times it's just, it strikes a chord. But it catches the truth of what it means to be human and to live in this world. And it's, it touches that chord of truth in the ways that Isaiah knew a hot coal. This week, he told the story of a group of car dealership mechanics who rescued a kitten that had climbed up and gotten behind the dashboard of the family van. He describes these burly, tattooed mechanics coaxing a kitten, here, kitty, 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 who's, who's gotten behind that dashboard. And he talks about how they stretch their burly arms into places that their burly arms shouldn't fit into. They're the places that only teeny tiny kittens dare to go. But then he describes that moment of rescue when they pull that kitten from beyond the dash. And for the sake of that innocent little creature, gruff, burly men, they worked together for the joy of the fruit of the freedom of release for that little kitten. And after that rescue, he describes that moment with his family, the minivan family, and these burly mechanics and the ways that their lives are intimately woven together. They were woven together in that particular moment of freedom, but in that also that capturing of the abundance of joy, of a fruit of God's good abundance. And I like reading about these good kinds of things. These mechanics or at least the shop owner, they gave away hundreds of dollars in labor to solve this problem. 
They're sharing knit together lives in a new way. Frederick Beekner says that humanity is like an enormous spider web. Any touch to that web sets it trembling because our lives were linked together. And we know that when we look at a spider web in the wind, we can imagine how interconnected we are. And that's how the Holy Spirit works in us as the church. It's not what we do and what we produce, but it is how God works through us, through the sharing and caring we do in Christ's holy name. God is a God of all nations and all people. And today, we have set Christ's table here, and it's set with cloth and beadwork and pictures that have been collected from travels around the world. And these items that we see with our eyes help us to remember that the Church of Jesus Christ is not just here at Idlewild, not just here in Memphis or in the United States, in Tennessee, in California, but it is around the world. And it is with those who have entrusted our lives to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who is a living Lord and who interconnects us in God's good world. We Christians, <laughs> we don't all look alike, nor do we sound the same. We don't even enter worship in the same way. These days in the pandemic, we don't sing the songs in the same way. And we also don't precisely pray in the same way. But what we do is we place our trust in Jesus Christ. We do, at our very best, we share in the fruits of God's kingdom. And we do hold hope in God's good story. We are linked and we are committed to one another because of God's work in Christ Jesus. And I see that. I see it in this church at Idlewild. Just this morning on the class from Christian Formation, Looking Inward, I am seeing how the church is being shaped in formation experiences of how members of this church are sharing their racial roadmaps. They're sharing the truth of who they are and how they understand race and how that's informed the way they live out their lives. Each one of us has something to share as we are interconnected in the church of Jesus Christ. As we move through the offering and then to God's table today, my invitation to you is to reflect upon an intentional way that you might share a fruit of God's kingdom. Maybe it's as a baptism buddy. Maybe it's at sitting at a table six feet apart, honoring sacred distance, but still being formed. Maybe it's about gathering in the parking lot and trusting in fellowship at a sacred distance. Maybe it's about using your hands to knit something together to share more broadly with the world. Each of us has a calling to share Christ's love. 
Following the sermon, I'm going to invite you to reflect. Participants from the global church will join their perfectly imperfect voices as one to remind us about one of the fruits of God's kingdom, to remind us of the fruit of peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that grounds us in God's love and teaches us how not to fear, but to live well. When Christ's peace is known and lifted up, all come and share and serve in Christ's love and justice. And you know, it isn't lost on me that as we begin our annual stewardship campaign, we're asked in scripture, and it's a hard parable, this parable of the wicked tenants, but we're asked to reflect on how will we share the fruit of God's kingdom. I pray that we will be shaped to share in the fruits of the Spirit. It starts person by person, and it grows in community. Might it be so, especially through us, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.